Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, across the airwaves. We wrap it up with this one, and we're so blessed to produce it. Here's truly Mark Mancini live in Los Angeles. This is the Standing Above the Crowd podcast hosted by my friend, a brother, a mentor, James Donaldson, 347-205-9631. Goes by quick, so catch the archive on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports Podcast platforms, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, powered now by Mancini Media. So without further ado, as I lay that red carpet down, put the podium in its place, hand off the mic. First of all, James, how are you? Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? Third of all, part two of this great legend coach, Lenny Wilkins. Hey, exactly, Mark. Thank you very much. It's a beautiful day up in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, and um just really glad to be coming at you guys again this week. Uh, and you can catch us here on uh, Standing Above the Crowd podcast with James Donaldson every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is directly through one of my emails, which is jamesd at standingabovethecrowd.com. That comes directly to me. And shoot me your suggestions, your thoughts, your insights. Uh, and maybe any potential guests that you hope to see coming up. Uh, I wanted to bring this great guest back today because uh, this is the wrap-up of the NBA season. We just finished the NBA championship round, and as most people I'm sure know, the Golden State Warriors won another title, which was a a great series, though. But uh, without any further ado, I want to introduce our guest today, uh, three-time NBA Hall of Fame inductee, uh, Coach Lenny Wilkins and a world champion from 1979 with the Seattle Supersonics. Coach Wilkins, how are you doing today? Uh, James, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, everything's going well. <laughs> good, good, good. And uh, happy Father's Day to everybody out there this coming Sunday uh, for all the fathers and people who play that role of father. Uh, happy Father's Day to everybody. Uh, Coach, you know, we just wrapped up a, an exciting NBA championship round. Uh, between the Warriors and the Celtics, uh, give us your thoughts and your 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 keen insight on what you saw throughout and how that how they turned the table after they split those first two games in San Francisco. Well, um, it's it's always interesting, James, uh, and it's nothing like the the playoffs, especially the finals. But you know, I watch it; uh, it it's in my DNA. Uh, I watch the games and. You know, having played the game, coached the game, uh, you you look at different things and you see how teams match up, what they do, what they don't do. And uh, I wasn't surprised. Uh, you know, it, it's all because I felt that the only way that Boston would have a chance is if they had good ball movement and a minimum amount of turnovers. I think they had like, what, 23 turnovers in that last game? I mean, that, that's incredible. Yes, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, their star, their young star player, Jason Tatum, had 100 turnovers for the whole playoff set. All, all every series, he had 100 turnovers in the whole thing. Uh, and he set a new record. Uh, you know, a record that I'm proud of, but this is, this is the nature of the game now. A lot of turnovers, but you force the ball up and down. You shoot a lot of threes. Um but yeah, you, and of course, Steph Curry walks away with the with the MVP. Uh, give us your assessment on Steph Curry. I mean, I mean, what a player he is. 
Well, you know, he, he listen, he's a smart player, and he reads situations. And, and, and that's what uh, young players have to do. They have to learn how to read the floor. You know, I, I had a high school coach. I only played a half a year high school ball, but uh, I learned so much from him. I remember him saying to me, you know, you got uh, a great court awareness. I didn't know what he was talking about at first, but then I, later on I started to realize. And, and that's what uh, Steph Curry has. He has great court awareness. I mean, he – knows where his teammates are, he sees the floor, he sees where people are. And so he's never afraid to drive to the basket. Because yeah. uh, if you come, he knows where his teammate is. He's going to get the ball to him. And, yeah. and they have a minimum of turnovers. You know, so Jay, uh, you know, Steph can shoot the ball, he can pass the ball, and he's not afraid of getting to the basket, getting bumped or whatever because he yeah. knows he can make something happen. That's exactly yeah, He finishes well at the basket, even though he doesn't play above the rim, but he finishes really well at the basket every time. Uh, excellent, excellent. Hey, we got one of our first questions already. Fred from Crankston, Rhode Island is saying, Lenny, what was your best coaching year and one of your toughest coaching years throughout your coaching career? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I've had a couple, a few good years. I mean, I coached a few good teams. And, uh, but, you know, you always got to remember the championship team, uh, the, you know, the 79 Supersonics. Uh, when yeah. I took over that team the year before, they were 5-17. and 17. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wanted them to believe that we could make a difference, we could change this around, and, uh, and I wanted them to buy in. But I told them that we're going to play both ends of the floor, okay? Uh, You know, we may not be the greatest defensive team, but we're going to make people work for what they get. And and we're going to take advantage of our talent, the the players we have on our team. And so we went uh, from 5-17 and when I took over, uh, won 10 straight, got to the playoffs, uh, got to the finals. We lost in the seventh game but I believe that we would be back the next year because I felt that uh, we could have won that game, but uh, we came back the next year and proved that we were not a fluke. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And matter of fact, I joined the, that same team, 1980 mm-hmm. the championship team and uh, still a lot of great ca- championship caliber players around. Uh, one of my favorites, Fred Brown was like a coach on the floor. <laughs> Uh, you know, an old Wiley veteran, John Johnson. I mean, these guys, they knew the game inside and out. And they were kind of an extension of you out there on the court, making sure that we all stayed in place. So that was really good to be part of. Well, I, I tell you, that, that that's what you want to happen as a coach. And uh, that was handed to me or pushed to me as a young player. I learned that. I became a player coach, you know, uh, after one year in Seattle. But mm-hmm. – uh, and I knew that I had played with JJ, John yeah. Johnson, and you know he's the forerunner of the point forward. You know, no one talked about it that way at that time, but I used to tell Fred and Gus and uh, any of my guards or any of the players that uh, when we got a rebound, if JJ had the ball, you guys take off because he'll find you. You know, and okay. and he was a tough, hard-nosed player, but. He was willing to share the ball. And, uh, you know, and, and so you have to have people like that. And, and the Warriors had that 
in Draymond Green. A lot of people don't like him, but his job is to antagonize you, get you thinking about him, and if you're moving, he'll get the ball to you. Yes, he does very well. That's exactly right. Uh, the, the coaching, uh, you know, Steve Kerr with the Warriors, uh, I, I pronounced his last name, Avuka for the Celtics, right? Uh, their coaching styles, what they need to do differently, what they learned from this series. What do you take from the two head coaches of the respective teams? Well, uh, you know, Steve Kerr, I had Steve Kerr as a player, okay? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I know Steve, and uh, we know each other very well. Uh, but I thought he did a magnificent job in utilizing his talent letting everybody, everybody understood their role, how they fit in, you know, what they bring to the game. And, and so there's no fear about when you're out there making decisions, okay? And that's what you want as a coach. I, I want my team to play without fear. I want them to move the ball and to know that they can count on their teammates. Um, you know, Boston's coach, give him credit. Uh, you know, this is first year. Uh, you know, I think he learned a lot about his team, what they're going to have to do if they want to be successful, because they've got to learn how to utilize their teammates night in and night out. I mean, Al Horford is a veteran, smart player, you know, but how do you go from 24 points one game and then to two the next? You know, yeah. I mean, hey, come on. You know, we've got to take advantage of his ability, his talent, the same way with Marcus Smart. Uh, Derek White, you know, you got to run some screens for him. He's not a guy that can get his own shot all the time. So we know that, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to set him up. We got to look for him. And, yeah. uh, you know, and the, like I said, defensively, you got to have great court awareness. You shouldn't yeah. be wide open under the basket. I mean, nobody. And then right. when you know the kind of shooters that they have, Wiggins and Curry and, you know, Clay Thompson, uh, I, I'm going to make sure that if we help offer them, that someone is there to rotate to them. We're not going to just give them wide-open shots. I mean, hey, they're great players, and if you give them a wide-open shot, they're going to make it. Make them put the ball on the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basic fundamentals of the game. That's exactly right. Um, now, back on the Eastern Conference, there's a lot of great teams, uh, you know, Brooklyn, Miami, Milwaukee, uh, Boston, uh, you know, Philly, uh, teams that are really on the verge of greatness who will be knocking on that door for the NBA Finals year after year. Out West, we don't seem to see that as much. Uh, maybe Phoenix, Golden State. Uh, you know, do you think the era of the of the super team is, is over now with uh, what LeBron James tried in L.A., what Kevin Durant tried in Brooklyn? Or are teams always going to resort to trying to get a big three together and invest all their money into those big three guys? Well, I don't know if they're going to do that. That I mean, I, you, you've got to build the team, and it has to have chemistry, has to have talent, you know, and, uh, and they've got to understand about playing both ends of the floor, about taking advantage of each other's ability. Uh, yeah, we're not going to see just uh, three guys take over the game. No, no. Uh, Golden State proved that. Um, Boston proved that. So I think that, you know, that's something that hopefully Philly will learn because Philly does have some talent. 
but they got to learn how to play together. You know, uh, that's something that uh, you can expect from them. You know, um, the the chemistry with uh, Brooklyn has to be a lot better. It was terrible. I, I, I didn't think their chemistry was that good, and uh, and I felt they were vulnerable. So, uh, you know, in putting a, a team together, the general manager's got to know the game as well. And he's got to know how people react, what the chemistry is, how they fit in. And, and players have to know their roles. They have to know what's expected of them night in and night out. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a learning lesson uh, for teams, but uh, there's no shortcut. There's no quick trip anymore to the top. Yeah, yeah, I think we uh, we saw that with those couple teams that we saw exit early, or the Lakers not even making it this year. Uh, but you know, we'll they'll gear up again for next year and make a run at it. Uh, I see a young team like Boston, a young team like Milwaukee, uh, being there for the next several years, knocking on the NBA Finals doors. Well, you know, and Milwaukee was knocking this year. They, they're one of their key players got hurt. I can't think of his name right now. The He's uh, the big guard, you know, um, um, can't think of his name. But anyway, he got hurt, and that hurt them uh, because he was a key factor to the way they play. But even Milwaukee has to learn that as great as Giannis is, we can't have him bringing the ball up all the time, okay? I mean, because people stand around, and that allows – for teams to double team to rotate to help out, you know, and uh, so it, it it puts too much pressure. But he's talented enough that he could play the low post. You could run people off of him. You could have backdoor cuts. You can have screens. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of things you can do when you got talent. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we toss around the word chemistry a lot, but. Can chemistry be manufactured, or is it something that just naturally develops amongst the players? Well, it's developed amongst the players, but the coach can have a a say in that and push it because you you know your players. You you know what they can do and what they can't do. You know what, you know, and so uh, I always felt that uh, I want my players to know what their role is, how they fit in, you know, and that – and, and and you got to communicate. You got to talk to them. You know they have to know. So uh, it's it's something that you can build on. But uh, and and really, when you got talented players and they see that they do depend on each other to win, uh, it can happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, we got another question from Dave from uh, Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Where does Steve Kerr rank as far as the all-time great coaches now? Well, I, I think that Steve is, has proven himself to be a top coach, you know, no question about it. And we've had many in this league. We've had guys that can really coach the game, that uh, can communicate with their players, you know. And uh, and I think he's done an outstanding job, and he deserves credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he was, a, he was a very good NBA player as well. He knew his role, played it to the maximum. Uh, but then he got into the coaching ranks, and, yeah, he's really shown his medal of exactly what he's made of and how well he does know the game and coaches the players that he has to play. Uh, I think Golden State really epitomizes team play probably more than anybody else in the NBA at this point. Your thoughts? Uh, no question about it. When, when, when it hey, 
you, listen, everybody understands their role, right down to the, to the nth guy. And, uh, I mean, look at Looney. I mean, never had an attitude, came in, you know, rebounded, did his job, and, and had an effect on the game. Wiggins comes off the bench, you know, and he knows that uh, what Steve Kerr expects from him, uh, pushing the ball, penetrating, looking for a shot when he's open. Uh, Peyton, same thing, you know. Uh, Draymond Green, you know, I mean, comes out there all the time because he knows that, that he is key to their chemistry. Uh, you know, uh, Clay Thompson, you know, hey, when when he's open, he's gonna nail the shot, okay? Yeah. And and he and and they all try and play, you know, a fair amount of defense as, as best they can. So yeah. I, you know, I I think that uh, when you look at that and Steve harnessed that, you know, he talked to his guys. They know exactly where he stands, what he wants. You know, there's no guesswork, and I think that's so important uh, when you're whatever sport you play, uh, everybody has to know what their role is, what the coach expects, and what they're capable of. Exactly, yeah. And that's very much the same way you coached as well, I think. And um, But, you know, you had a long coaching career. And in this day and age where players are making much more than the coaches are, on, you know, especially the star <laughs> players, how, how do you discipline a player who's problematic and you just can't quite get through to him. What What is your technique for working with that kind of player? Well, uh, James, uh, I'm going to talk to the player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with him uh, uh, right up front uh, all the time. And, and the thing is, is and I remember uh, I was asked that question one time by people at uh, – I did a uh, – a, a little uh, conference at uh, Microsoft and, mm-hmm. and they had someone because, and they work as teams, you know, they're trying to sell their product to promote different things. Sure. And, uh, and I said that, you know, you have to talk, you have to be involved with this person. You have to let them know that they're dependent on, they need it. And if mm-hmm. they can't fit, they have to go. And yeah. they said to me, you mean you would fire that person? I said, well, if he was a player, I, mean, I wouldn't fire him, trade him. <laughs> I said, but, but I would talk to him. I would let him know what the big picture is and what we expect. So it was no guesswork. And, and, you know, I always had a habit that when my players came out of the game, I always had something to say to them. You know, I just wanted to let them know, good job, you know, uh, we can do this, do that, you know, be ready to go back in. I mean, you know, uh, you don't punish players, right. but you do communicate with them, and they yeah. have to know what you expect, you know, and and you as a coach have got to be ready all the time. And I tell young coaches, you know, in addition to communication, preparation is so important. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's some great advice for a lot of our young coaches out there especially those getting into the, the high-profile university programs and the, uh, and the professional ranks as well. Uh, that, that is really wonderful. You know, we saw Golden State uh, win their fourth championship in eight years. I mean, kind of a dynasty, semi-dynasty maybe, except for a couple of those injury-filled years and COVID years. They were right there. Uh, 
and guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they have committed to the team uh, the majority of their career so far. Uh, whereas other guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, they keep bouncing from team to team, chasing that elusive championship ring. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think is a better way to go about that? Well, I, I think that if you want to build a championship team, uh, the guys have got to be willing to stay together. And mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, ownership, management has to understand that uh, we're going to build this team, but uh, we're, we're going to, you know, pay them well. I mean, uh, you look at the salaries these guys make, it's incredible today. But uh, the thing is, is that, you know, you've got to assess what you have and can we win with it. And, and, I, and I don't think running from team to team is going to do it. I mean, you mentioned some great names there. But uh, if you look at the Warriors, and like I said, look at the chemistry of that team. Uh, yeah. You know, Looney, Wiggins, Peyton. Curry, uh, yeah. Green, Clay Thompson. I mean, I, you know, it's uh, the the pieces have to fit, yeah. and if the pieces fit, they have a chance. So I I think that's so important in putting a championship team together. Yeah, and also I think those kind of players, like the Warriors we're talking about, are willing to sacrifice a little bit of their ego, a little bit of their self, a little bit of their statistics maybe, and the overall good for the team because they think they are all on the same page working towards a common goal, which is winning an NBA championship. Well, James, that's so important. See, what you're talking about is not only do they feel and believe that they can do it, but they respect for one another, okay? Respect's a two-way street. If you want it, you've got to give it. And, yeah. and so players have to know and have to complement each other and, and cover for each other, protect each other, you know. I mean, that, that's important. And, uh, and the good teams understand it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, another question from Edwin from Bend, Oregon. He's asking, uh, hey, Coach, what are your top guards of all time when you coached? Uh, his top five, he wants to give us his opinion, mm-hmm. are Steph, Steph Curry, Pete Maravich, JoJo White, Slick Watts, and World Beat Free. <laughs> Those are his top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're pretty good names, so let me tell you, you know. But uh, there were some great players in the league, and there always are going to be. And, uh, and, and that's always a great question. You know, writers love to ask that question, but – uh, I think that uh, from every era, you can come up with players. And, and certainly in, in uh, my era as a player, you know, Jerry West, uh, mm. Oscar Robinson, Walt Frazier, uh, Jerry Sloan, uh, you know, uh, Hal Greer. A lot of people probably wouldn't even remember him. He was a hell of a player, you know. Uh, but there were, there were, you know, you could go back to every era and pick out top players so i i think it's a it's a fun question and i think so many fit the category you know um and i was blessed to be able to uh play in the air and coach in in certain eras mm-hmm. uh last week we had one of your high school friends on board uh scott sanders from the South <laughs> <Day>. <laughs> yeah that's that reminded us that you guys were friends back in high school. 
That's right. That's right. Tom was great, great player. And he played, played well for the Celtics, you know, but he was uh, with NYU. And yep. uh, this guy uh, stood the game, could defend. You know, he understood his role and fitted in. And, and that's why the guys on the Celtics loved him, you know, and uh, so happy to hear that you talked to him. I mean, that's wonderful. I hope he's listening. <laughs> he did a great job. We had a great interview with him. Eight championship rings and yes. you know, eight tries, so eight and zero. What a fantastic career he's put together and, uh, and so knowledgeable about I mean, this is what I love about this podcast. We bring on guys who've been around the game for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just wonderful to get um, get some of their viewpoints on the players now, the players then. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, that that's was talking about uh, JJ Reddick, who who created a little a little dust up with uh, Bob Cousy. <laughs> right. <laughs> a couple. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and 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 Bob Cousy. You see, there are a lot of guys sometimes don't get the credit they deserve, but yeah. Bob Cousy knew his role. And he knew how to make the Celtics effective, how to get the ball to guys, you know, and stuff like that. So I, you know, it's, uh, you know, know know the full history before you comment. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, J.J. made a comment that uh, uh, Bob Cousy played against firemen and plumbers back then. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's that's just terrible. Yeah, you know, and and that's not fair to to the guys, you know, because – Teams were different, and every team, you know, they uh, ran their teams differently. And on some teams, uh, they they didn't even have a play for the guards. On other teams, it was all the forwards. Uh, right. But you know, it, it it just varied. But but there were some tremendous players back then as well. Right, right, right. Uh, we mentioned also. I'm working. I'm finishing up my ebook that I'm putting together of the 50 greatest all-time NBA players, the first list that came out in 1996. You and Sat Sanders helped me complete that book by filling in the players I didn't play against. And so I, I want to get that a copy out to you as soon as it's all finished. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, looking forward to the NBA season upcoming. Um, who are going to be some of the favorites that you're looking at uh, to end up in the playoffs and championship rounds again? Will the Lakers bounce back? Well, that that's a question. We'll have to see what they do over the summer. Do they improve their team? You know, uh, what kind of trades they make and uh, things like that. Uh, so I think that uh, the, the the clock is still ticking on that. And we'll find out, you know, uh, when we see things like that. But certainly, you know, uh, I expect that uh, Philly should be in the run again. You know, Um, I I think that uh, possibly New Jersey, but, uh, you know, I didn't like their chemistry, uh, you know, you know, so that that's going to be something we have to watch for. But, uh, but I think that uh, um, toward the middle, end of the summer, we should have a pretty good idea about if teams have improved themselves, if they made good trades, have they signed a free agent, you know, what, what is going to be, what the team is going to look like. And, uh, and then a key to that all is uh, you, when you see their first eight, 10 games, you get a quick look <laughs> next yes. year. Yes. Yes. Now you mentioned a couple of Eastern coast, uh, Eastern conference teams. What about on the Western conference? What are you looking at? 
Well, uh, you know, Phoenix certainly uh, should be back up there. You know, uh, I think that they need to add a player or two, you know, but they got a good uh, nucleus. So uh, they they should be there. Golden State, uh, listen, if everybody stays healthy, and that's another thing, you know, uh, guys have got to stay healthy and whatnot. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, they got a lot of talent, you know, and they should be in the run. Uh, Milwaukee should be in the run uh, uh, next year. And, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, I get just thinking of all the teams, but uh, – uh, The Clippers. Um... Yeah, the the Clippers are questionable. Uh, you know, it depends on how healthy they are and who they have. Okay. Uh, and Portland seems to be rebuilding all of a sudden, so – That's going to – right. It's going to depend on uh, what kind of acquisitions that Portland can make over the summer. Uh, Certainly, uh, they have a few good players, but they need to add, uh, I think, a player or two. And we tend to overlook Denver and Utah as well. I mean, these are all good teams. Yeah, Denver, you know, their point guard, Murray, was it, that got hurt? Uh, Yeah, um, yeah, they missed him a bit because – he really ran the show, and to expect that uh, your center is going to run the show all the time, Jokovic, who is just a magnificent player, uh, right. you know, needs help. But, uh, but yeah, don't count Denver out. I mean, uh, they got a great coach. They, uh, they got some talent on that team. And, uh, and then Dallas, and Dallas has just got to change the way they play a little bit. I, 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 I love uh, Doncic. But I don't feel that the ball should be in his hands all the time. That that's yeah. kind of like Milwaukee with Giannis, you know, uh, both great great players. But uh, so yeah, yeah, we can't count those guys out. They uh, they got good coaches. They're going to be looking to assess what they need and can they fill it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, wow, uh, Coach, uh, the thirty minutes has gone by so fast. But uh, listeners, this is why I wanted. Coach Wilkins back on the show to wrap up our season, to look forward to next season. Uh, no one does it better. So, uh, Coach Lenny Wilkins, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, you go out and have a wonderful weekend. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Grandfather's Day to you as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, James. And uh, and we're going to enjoy it, you know. So, and, and And if I can do this without – Offending anybody, go Sonics. We need to get them back. <laughs> Our Sonic Nation fans would love to hear that. So thank you so much. All okay. right, coach, have, have a great one. We'll be in touch. This is James Donaldson, Standing Above the Crowd podcast, signing off. Be with us next week, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.